Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Three, two, one, boom, Andrew, and we are live. Andrew, there's a little, there's a little tank there behind you. What is it? Is that like a turtle? What do you got back there? No, we got a, a gecko. We got a gecko back there. What does a we, gecko eat? Um... You know, we got some gecko food. I don't know, man. My yeah. wife and the kids feed the gecko. I feed the dogs. What's the name of the gecko? The gecko's name is um, Sassy. Sassy? Yeah. And, uh, and you got two dogs? You said two dogs? Yeah, two Great Danes, yep. No way, bro. Yeah, we caught a snake yesterday. but I, I saw that. Yeah, but it escaped. It escaped? It escaped yesterday. No, sorry. We, we caught the snake on Sunday. It escaped. On Monday, dude, how how is it living with Great Danes, bro? Uh, I mean, I love Great Danes. You've My had them your whole life. Like them so much, but I love them. You've had them your whole life. Nah, I mean, I've had dogs my whole life, but not Great Danes. I had, you know, some mutts, some Labradors. No, how old are the Great Danes? One is nine, and one is eight. And the name? What are their names? Roscoe and Raven. Two boys. Yeah, look at that. My wife brought me some coffee. Buddy, look, you see? That's VIP stuff right there, man. I yeah. love that. We're even wow. still on the holiday season. Look, merry and bright. See? There it is, man. See, yeah. starting starting the day right, dude. Starting the day right. <laughs> Brother, uh, as we look at your trajectory, man, growing up, did you ever envision you'd be a coach involved still in basketball? What did you think you would do growing up, man? Uh, definitely felt like I would be involved with basketball in some capacity. Um, just the passion for it. My dad gave, you know, me and my brothers and my sisters the passion for basketball. And I definitely felt like I was going to be a part of it to what capacity. I don't know. Like to what to, did I think I was going to be training NBA players? Mm, I don't know, because even back then, you know, NBA trainers wasn't really a thing. I would say that is the whole training business is about, you know, 10 to 12, you know, at most 15 years old. But at back then you could count, you know, on your hand, how many trainers were out there or at least that were out there and you could see on YouTube or some sort of social media, you know, who was the first one that started that? Do you remember? I would say, Gan I would say Gannon Baker is, is one of the originals. Um, There's another guy also who coaches on the Orlando Magic now, last name Rodriguez. I keep forgetting his first name. But Gannon Baker is one of the one of the first guys out there that really made training uh, a career. And Andrew, you think that happened because why? Players were noticing a gap between their coaches and outside coaches, or there's just some outside coaches that are just like straight fucking Mavericks, and they're like, listen, dude, we're just going to do our thing and don't want to be part of a league. Like, where no, does that come I, from? I mean, I think I think YouTube plays a big role in it because 
and replay and being able to watch games and study and anyone having access right before you didn't have access to these NBA games. Now, after every NBA game, there's a, you could almost catch a full game on YouTube or catch every single offensive play. So you have that, you have access to video. Therefore you can study actually what these guys are doing. Uh, and, and then, you know, you can be able to teach it. Not that you couldn't do it before, but you know, now just, just now when I'm watching a game, I could re Oh, I like that. Let me rewind it. Uh, you know, I rewind it sometimes three and four times, even as I'm a high school coach. Now I want to be able to use some of that stuff. I see a lot of sets that the NBA teams run and I, I steal it from them. And I think replay and being able to study the game more and having access to it, it really changed the game. Do you find yourself, who said something about DVDs? Who's that? That was, that, my, wife. that was my wife because I used to buy Gannon Baker DVDs and this other guy, Michael Lancaster, and I used to watch them and study them. They, you know, they, they were doing some stuff um, that I really, I really gravitated towards and I thought it really helped players out. So I would watch DVDs and just take notes and watch them again and take I some more that. notes. So what, what is Mrs. Moran's name? Her name is Angela. Angela, what's up, Angela? You hear me? Oh, no, she went back to... Oh, uh, she, she escaped. All right, to, yeah. she just dropped in the knowledge of the DVDs, huh? Yeah. Angela, when you play basketball, man, I always think that if you play basketball at a young age, mm -hmm. eventually the height problem is going to kick in. Either you're going to be a tall dude or not tall dude. When you're playing growing up, did that ever cross your mind? Or you're just like, I'm a hooper and I'm going to keep going? How did you think about your future as a player? Man, I... I, obviously, height is huge in basketball. That doesn't mean not to. That doesn't. That's not to say that. Obviously, we've seen many shorter players have lots of success. But it, it is a it is a game for you know length and height and you know most coaches were more attracted to that. Um, but as far as me, I I, I want to say I was a pretty immature uh, player in high school. Um, and I didn't have any, I didn't have any whole lot of guidance. Like, hey, you're really kind of this level at a certain point, right? Once you become a senior, um, hey, you're this, you're kind of this level if you want to continue to play, you know? Um, and I didn't realize my passion and love for the game, whether I was tall or not. I don't think I'm sure, but in terms of if you're, you're playing at a high level, obviously everyone gets taller, stronger, and faster. But for me was, I was an immature kid. I had some opportunities to play at some small schools. I chose just to go to college. And when I was away from it is when I realized, hey, that I missed it so much. And that maybe not that it was the wrong decision, but, you know, because if I didn't, if I would have gone to play basketball at somewhere else, I wouldn't have met my wife. You understand? But, but at the same time, it was it was kind of like, hey, I this is I need to be around this game that I love and I have passion for. So I gravitated back. So while I was at Florida State, I did a lot of stuff helping out with the women's team as well. Nice um, on their scout teams, and then you know my brother was um, he was a walk on at Florida State, so. Um, uh, I was able to, you know, play pickup with those guys and, and I could see like, you know, that's super high level. That's Florida state, but at least in the pickup games, I felt like 
you know, I belonged. I didn't, not that I, you know, so I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I love playing. I did not play in college. I was, I probably could have played some D3 NAIA, um, but super mature at the time. And, and thinking, when you say was, mature, when you say mature, Andrew, what was it that you thought you like were the man? You were more of a I, mean, I, think I was the man. I thought I was a little better than those schools. And then I thought I'm chasing after like, you know, girls and partying and, and thinking that those things were kind of important as well, which, you know, if you want to be great at something, you, you got to sacrifice, you got to sacrifice some things as well. Yeah, you got you to sacrifice a lot of things actually, you know? Yeah. What was the best part of your game? Shooting. Yeah. So shooting was, you're yeah. the shooter. It's still a really good part. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you were, you were then a two guard? Is that what you were? Shooting yeah, guard? I two. Sometimes I'd play a little point, but I would say mostly I'm a two guard. Yeah. Where'd you play high school basketball? I played at, I played two years at Coral Gables. I was, I was born in Houston. Uh, we moved to Miami when I was 15, and I went my last two years of high school at Coral Gables. Coral Gables nice, high man. Nice. Do you think you would have had enough talent to walk on at, at uh, Florida State or no? To walk on? Yeah. I think I could have been a – I mean, no offense to walk-ons, but uh, – well, Because you, since your brother did it, I'm like – I always thought, man, maybe you should have done it. You know, so you're like, if he did it, I'm better than this dude. I beat yeah. him every day. No, absolutely. <laughs> I, I think I could have – you know, that, that would have helped as well, you know, my brother being a part of the program and, I, you know, but I, I ended up not doing it. I was just enjoying my time in college, uh, having fun. I also didn't make very good grades, so that didn't help much, you know. Cause you, oh, you weren't an academic dude? Mm, nah, not so much. Neither I finished, I though. I did finish. Yeah? Yeah, I got the degree. Nice, dude. Yeah. So so as you're doing this, right, your your pops is what? He's a pastor? Is that what he is? Yeah, my dad's a pastor, yep. How well, not, any, not anymore, but he's been retired about – I think three and a half years now. When you grow up in that environment, bro, is pops, it's, is church always part of the house language of what's going on? Is it a church activity every single day? Like, how, how does that work? Uh, I wouldn't say every single day, but I would say pretty often. Um, you know, the, obviously there's church on Sunday and then. There's other things during the week. There was youth group. There was Bible studies um, that they were a part of. Um, I wasn't a part of every single thing. Obviously, I was playing and going to school, but my dad was active, very active in the church, and as well as my mom. Andrew, what age did you start? Did you dunk? Can you dunk or no? <laughs> I can't dunk anymore. Uh, what, I dunked, I, dunked uh, I think, my senior high school. In a game? One time in a game, yeah. Nice, bro. How did that Just feel, once. Man? How did that feel? That was great. Everyone starts jumping around when, you know, you see a, a white guy dunk, they get more excited, you know? One hand or two hands? Nah, just one. This is a nice little steal, breakaway, dunk, you know? Uh, no, what, what number were you? In high school, I was 22. Why 22? Is that the one you got or any particular reason? Not really. I thought, I mean, you know, if anything, it was, I like Clyde Drexler. He was 22. A Houston yeah. guy. See, that's a Houston guy, bro. Yeah, yeah, there you go. University of Houston. When you uh when you played high school, what type of what type of shoes did you wear? Well, we were wearing we were wearing we had some team shoes that were terrible. Yeah. Re, first year, I think we had some Reeboks, terrible. 
I mean, I, I didn't have a lot of shoes growing up anyways. My mom, there were five kids in my family. We weren't getting Jordans. Right. It, I would say in my whole life growing up, I had one pair of Jordans and I asked for it for Christmas and I got it, you know. Which ones? Uh, Which ones? There were those black and red patent leather ones. I don't know what number, man. I'm not I'm not a big shoe guy. Although now I get a lot of shoes. You know, I got some some Kobe Grinches and some Bruce Lee's, and everybody wants those from me. Everybody's so, going crazy, huh? Yeah. But uh what you know, shoe size are you? I'm 12, size yeah. 12. So everybody's like, oh man, I want yeah, 12. Yeah, Come yeah. on. Nah, they want the 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 Kobe's they're they're you know, they're they're a hot commodity right now. That is crazy, dude. That is crazy. You always, I always see basketball in reference to baseball, and I see basketball so fun because it's indoors. Yeah, you see music, you see all this stuff. Did you have a lot of fun when you played, or was it more pressure to do good? Did that take over than the fun? Oh uh, no, I I love playing. Yeah, uh, I think it was fun. I had a good time. Obviously, there were pressure moments. I remember my junior year, there were some pressure moments and I didn't do so well. Uh, but I remember, I would say the hardest time I worked was after my junior year. So I had moved to Miami, I, mean, I had moved to Miami, right? Um, and again, I was, I was a decent high school player. I wasn't this great player, but I wanted to be better. Um, and in the beginning of my junior year, I played some and then my playing time got limited because, you know, I didn't, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't given what the coach wanted, you know? Um, right. So after my junior years, when I really worked, my hardest probably ever in terms of my high school career. And then my senior year, I had a good year, you know, it wasn't a great year. We weren't a great team either. We were average team, but I felt like I was, because of my commitment over the summer, I had had a better year. And I, as I, as I think back, if I would have done those same things year after year, I would have been a much better player. But um, it just at that time, you know, I just didn't have and you didn't have individual coaches either. You you had to go do it on your own. You know, it's not like you could go out. Now there's trainers everywhere. You can go out and find one. Right. Although I don't and I'm a trainer. I don't recommend that that be the only way you work out. Um, if you talk about a guy like Kobe, yeah, he worked out with some guys, but most of his workouts were on his own. He, he figured them out himself. He learned and he worked. And I think that's, that's a testament to his greatness as a player because he didn't, he didn't have to wait around for availability of a trainer, right? He went and got his work in no matter what. And those are the great players. Jordan went and got his workout. LeBron gets his workout. Yes, LeBron works with some some guys sometimes, but I can assure you he's in the gym on his own time. It doesn't matter who's there and he's working, you know. So, and again, I'm a trainer. This is what I do. It's my business. But if you're only relying on me, if you're only relying on me as a trainer or other trainers, you're not going to get to that that place that you want, you know. That's interesting you bring that up, man. Because you obviously train a lot of big-time pro guys. Do you train high school guys individually? Yeah, we do some individuals. Yeah, with the high school guys for sure. I mean, obviously because of time, uh, we usually group guys in two to two to threes. Um, you know, but we'll still even do some individual work as well. 
how honest are you with the because uh, the high school guys in basketball i'm yeah. sure you can tell who's d1 d3 no yeah. shot walking on whatever do you get involved in that part at all like talking to them like their expectations or are you strictly shooting get the ball in try your best and you leave it at that no of course i i think the best thing to do is be honest with players right um and try to try to guide them they may not agree with you you know but you gotta you gotta you gotta say what whether they want to hear it or not i think you gotta say what you gotta say you know i follow i follow uh john lucas and john lucas gives a lot of of uh just little quotes out there um he's done a lot in youth basketball now he's a coach in the houston rockets but and he played in the nba but he it seems that he's great at just telling the truth and telling the truth to the parents you know how, so, how how's your communication with the parents i think pretty good you know sometimes it gets a little ruffled you know but again you're going to say things that they may not like right. and maybe what i say is not right every time i'm not saying that every time i make an assessment i'm correct people are you know we could be wrong a kid you know a kid can sometimes in high school maybe not be as good but he decides to go to a prep school and all of a sudden he improves and and he becomes this player that you never thought he would be or you didn't think that he could get to that level but i think uh you know being as honest as possible i've been around a lot of high level players so i do feel like i have i can give good guidance and and understand what level you can be at but again there's guys that make the NBA that were told they were they weren't going to make it, you know. Uh, so there's definitely, uh, I mean, we could look at the we could look at drafts, right? Look at Steph Curry. What were they talking about him before he got drafted? He's too small. He's too weak. He's not athletic enough. Um, and then they still they still hate on him. I don't know if you've been watching this year, but he, you know. He's not going to do – he can't carry the team, blah, blah, blah. Guy scored 57 points the other night. Now, yeah. granted, obviously he – he the team's much better when Clay's not injured, of course, you know. Um, but they're still doing pretty well. You know? I think so. I think he got a little too crazy. It was one year where the dude was just shooting out of everywhere, bro. Yeah. And I think that got a little too crazy. But come on, if you're making everything, why not well, even – what do you mean crazy? Like just shooting stuff out of everywhere. And he was making it though. No, no, but he was, <laughs> but yes, but in the finals, he wasn't. In the finals uh, against uh, Toronto, he wasn't. He disappeared uh, that finals. Now. I don't know about disappeared. According, about, according mean, to his standards, we got to pull up, okay. we got to pull up the numbers because, okay. and there, that's where, listen, not one guy, you always hold these guys that are on that level. I just what I what I loved about Steph Curry is as he get as he kept getting better, he started getting more cockier, right? And it just you guys the dude just started yeah. like had that. I don't thing. know if the word is cocky. Can we say confident? Confident, confident. But every yeah. time you make a shot and you point to the sky, that's confident just got left there. Now you're entering the cocky world. Oh, okay. I think you know because if I shoot a shot in your face and right in front of you, to the to the sky, right? Well, what we don't know what why he's doing it. Maybe that, maybe but, he has some significance to it. I get that, but <laughs> but only when you make it. Yeah, it'd be know. cool if he starts doing that every time he just shoots. That would be the pimp. 
and he missed it, and then he has to run back and guard. Well, I just I think mean, Steph Curry falls under that that thing, man, where obviously he has to have the swag because of everything he's overcame. No, 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 no. Let me explain. The, the Steph Curry is the greatest shooter of all time. I understand. Uh, totally. Of totally, all time. Totally, totally. So I get he that. can kiss the sky all he wants. Okay. Perfect, perfect. But when people come at him and a way of championships and in a way of like uh hold on, hold on. He already has three. He has three. I get it. I get it. I mean, but we're not we're not calling him the go, but he's, he's got up three. There. He's up know? there. No, 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 no. He's absolutely up there. But when when you talked about the critics that are right. they're talking that about him now, is always, you know, yeah. They want him to 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 like carry a team, carry a team team. And it's hard. Okay. Because he's uh, it's hard, man. He has to get, he has to build the the points. He has to do this. It's it's it's. So I let's, think it's let's not talk easy. about let's talk about the last the last champions that have won, right? Let's so last year who won? The Lakers, right? Lakers, yeah. Right. So let's talk about the obviously LeBron James, right? We know he can carry a team. He's yes. done it many times, yes. but he always has a supporting cast. That is very good. Very strong. Okay. Very strong. Very, very strong, right? Let's talk about let's let's talk about since since you know there's always the comparison. Let's talk about Michael Jordan. Right. Look at his supporting cast. Look at his teams. Okay. Let's talk about the Warriors. Okay. Uh, but let's talk about the Warriors' first championship because there was no Kevin Durant. Right. 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 And. And everyone could get upset at Kevin Durant for going there if they want. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but that was his choice. And no, it's they, a legal, it's a legal move. It's a legal move. You could go wherever you want. You can't hate right? on that. You can't right? hate on that because no one's hating now on the Nets with James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant. No one's no one's hating on them. Yeah. Right. Um, so every every champion has a supporting cast every every one of them it, of course it, it doesn't you cannot there's never been a time where one player although okay and i'm not let's take a and he didn't win but lebron james did take a cavaliers team early on in his career all the way to the finals and i would say i would say that was his his least talented team that he's, yeah. he's had. And he well, went because, all the finals, right? because it wasn't a created team around him. Correct. But it, he, he grew didn't up, win. He, he didn't, didn't win, win the, all the way because you need those guys. You got to have yeah. Yeah. other talented guys. This is a, this is a star league that wins, you know? No, you I, I, and especially, Andrew, in playoff sports, everything changes, man. The defense goes really yeah. on you. The strategies yeah. are totally different. You're playing against a top team every night. It's not like it goes up and down and stuff like that. Talk about those Warriors. How hard was it to beat those Warriors in 2K where they had KD, bro? You you couldn't beat that team, dude. Well, I'll be honest. I don't play 2K, so I don't know. You've never played about. 2K. I mean, I have played, but I don't. I don't play. I've never had a. I've never had a, one of those systems. My parents never got it for us. I've never had it. I've only played at friend's house. Um, so it's not really been my thing. Um, not that did, I don't, not that I wouldn't you have, play. Andrew, did you have a TV in your room? No, no TV. In Neither the room. did I, bro. Yeah, no TV. I had to go to my not, boys. Not house. until later in life when our room was kind of like the TV room. It was our room. But remember, we, I had two brothers. We all slept in the same room. So 
when we moved to Miami, we got a little bit bigger room, but it also became the TV room as well where everyone hung out, right? So, yes, at that point, there was a TV in the room. Let me ask you a question. Sleeping with your brothers, yeah. how was that like, dude? Well, first of all, where are you in order? I'm fourth. Fourth youngest? Yeah, there's five kids. My oldest brother is uh, 43. My sister's 42. My brother's 40. I'm 38. And my little sister's 29. Sleeping with your brothers. Dude, how was that like, man? I Were mean, I think it's great, you yeah. know? Looking back, every, you, your friends have their own room. You're thinking, I need my own room. But I'll tell you what, it, it, it allowed me to, I don't need much, you know? I don't need, I can, you know, I don't need to have 10 bedrooms, you know? Right. Right, right, right. Uh, I got four kids myself, two boys, two girls. If they, if they were to sleep in the same room their whole lives or their whole childhood, I, it wouldn't bother me none. Now, my wife, on the other hand, had her own room and everyone had their own room. So, you know, you got to meet in the middle a little bit. But And also, I, women ain't about that life, bro. Women, nah. don't, <laughs> women you got to give them a break. I will say that my oldest three kids, they all want to sleep in the same room together all the time right now. Yeah. You know, that is so, awesome, dude. That is awesome. So let's talk about after college. You're you're at FSU. You're helping the women's basketball team. Your brother's on the team. When did you start to think of yourself as a coach? Um, not until not until I left Florida State and came back to Miami. I mean, I always coach. I was coaching youth basketball in like little leagues. So I coached. Um, so I always felt like I was going to be around the game. Now, did I, to what, did I know I was going to be a high school coach or a trainer? I would say when I, so I was working at as a assistant athletic director at the parks and recreation on Key Biscayne. And then my best friend from high school, his brother was a head coach at Miami senior high. Um, you know, Miami senior high has a rich history of basketball. You know, they've been, Hell yeah. they've been the dominating force. Uh, in the last, you know, at least not, not, not as of lately, but you know, you know, when I got here, Miami high, this Miami high that, and then we, they were in my district. So I saw how good they were when we played in high school. So my best friend's brother was the coach there and I decided to jump on and start helping him as an assistant. And I always gravitated towards a little bit of that player development. And he allowed me to kind of set the workouts and do everything. And I, I made the guys, we did a ton of shooting and it wasn't just shooting. We had to make a certain amount of shots per week. Right. So I had the guys on a number and I felt like that year we shot the best, you know, the following year we didn't have a gym cause they were renovating it. But that, that first year I felt like we shot really well as a team because of the work that we put in. And then I realized like, Hey, this is, this is what I like the most. This is what I love. I can do it. You know, I could do it for free. It didn't matter. You know, when you started to see yourself, man, get people to make shots, make shots and understand the shot and shot and shot. Where did that come from? Was that, that you just had a good stroke yourself and you started to become very like common sense with it. Did you notice gaps in players performances that you then said, listen, if you can do this, that's going to happen. Where did that come from? Well, my dad taught me how to shoot. Um, 
So definitely the principles of, of what he taught me and the success that I had, I felt like I can, you know, I can teach kids. Now, what I had to learn along the way is that every player's body is different. So every, every player is a shot is not going to look like mine. Yes. Mine goes in a lot. Yes. It's what works for me. I do think there's some fundamental principles that go through every shot, but everybody's shot is not going to look at the same. You know, you look at Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Ray Allen, Reggie Miller, um, Dale Curry, all, all the great shooters, their shot looks a little different. It's not, it's not always the same, although there are certain things that stay the same across the board. Everyone's trying to keep their elbow in as much as possible. Everyone's put, driving that elbow up and everyone's following through uh, right now. Some people shoot a little more towards their dominant side. Some shoot in the middle. You know, it just depends, right? Even Kevin Durant's a great shooter. Kevin Durant's arms are longer. So if you look at him, it looks as though his elbow is out a little more than others. But when he gets into it, he, he it comes in and it's it's it corrects itself on the way up, you know? You mentioned so, there's so, so many different things, man. Is that natural to a shooter that he just grabs a ball and does it? Or do you correct that and say, okay, let's try this or that? How do you deal with that? Um... No, I think we have to feel the player out um, um, and depends, you know, um, some feel more comfortable, you know, center of the forehead, some feel more comfortable maybe to their dominant side. I think it just depends on the player. Now, if it gets too far over, like I'm a right-handed shooter and I'm shooting on my left side, then that, that doesn't seem like it's going to be very effective. Uh, if you, if you look at, uh, Lonzo Ball, right? His shot was all the way to his opposite side, you know? Um, so that, you know, uh, they corrected it, and I think he's shooting much better. As you could see, they've moved it over more towards his right side, and I think he's shooting much better, and I think only with time it's going to get much better. So I think it just depends on the player. Now, if the elbow is just way out and yeah there's got to you got to have some drastic change but you know sometimes i think small adjustments for players um little by little is is better for them you know trying to change someone's shot especially mid-season i i don't think it's is great yeah you know what i just thought of while you were saying all that bro have you ever i'm sure you don't do this now but when was the last yeah. time i don't know if you've ever done this just showed up at a pickup game somewhere and just start playing and just start shooting and making it and making it and making it and make. When was the last time you did that? Just showing up to a random pickup game. Random pickup game. Says, "Hey, you got next. I'm with you four. Nobody knows who you are, and you just sit there and you play a game. You just shoot and make it and make it and make." When was the last time you did that? Um, it's been a while to a random. I, I showed up to a park with my brother-in-law. This is a while ago, and I did it. Yeah, I don't look like I'm gonna make a lot of shots. You no, know. even if you did, nobody knows. Unless you're in the basketball world, nobody knows what you do. They're not going to know what you do. So it's like they don't Wait. expect the outcome. <clears throat> you know, you, you you sometimes players walk in and you, you know, I don't. You judge them a little bit, like, oh, this guy's not going to do anything, and then they surprise you. You know. Yeah. How many points uh, did you make with the brother-in-law? Oh, I mean, we just showed up to a park. I don't know how many points, but uh, 
I mean, we won every pickup game that day. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> dude. <clears throat> as when did you start to notice that man? I could make a career out of coaching. Okay, so I was coaching at Miami Senior, um, and you know, as a high school coach, you don't. It's not like you're gonna, you're not gonna be making tons of money, you know. Um, Were you teaching also? Yeah, I was. Well, I was. I had just transferred over to teaching. I was. Remember, I was athletic direct, assistant athletic director at, at a Parks and Rec in Key Biscayne. Then I went over to teaching. So I was teaching and coaching. What were you teaching? Um, what subject? I was teaching U.S. history. Nice, bro. Yeah. Favorite? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Favorite part of U.S. history? What, what, what was your favorite topic? My favorite part of U.S. history is probably the uh, the American Revolution. You know? Against the British, huh? Yeah. The red yeah. coats are coming. Yeah. So probably that. that I, I, it's, it's, you know, that's that's fun to get into, but you know. All right, no, I, I, listen. Moved, I moved over to basketball full lot, time. You know, it's funny because a lot of people, man, a lot of good basketball coaches are are good historians with war tactics and stuff like that. You know, I've noticed that a lot, man. So maybe that's when maybe some of that stuff. Maybe that's why you like that. You know what I'm saying? That's why yeah, history. You got to create strategy. You got to figure it out. Um, you yeah, know? man. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're at Miami High. You're teaching. Teaching. My wife gets pregnant, and I'm not going to coach anymore. That, oh. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to coach. I can't. I need to help my wife. I need to be around my kid. You know, so I actually stopped. I stopped coaching and whatever, just having a good time with my wife. We're hanging out. We're having fun. This is with number one, right? Yeah. We're And then I get a call. Hey, uh, there's a team, a travel team that you know, need some shooting, help with shooting, you know, and uh, I'm like, okay, I'll give it a shot, you know, so I go, I'm there, um, you know, doing it, and, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on, yeah. so you get the call, hey, yeah. shoot whatever. Yeah. your rate, right, how did you come up with a rate, were you, you like, know, I was actually kind of told what the rate was going to be at that time, I get it. Yeah. See, that's and important. This is, that's this is how much it's gonna be. Whatever, I did it, and it was it was the best it was the best decision I made. Right? Was it a lot of money? I mean, now is it? No, but back then it was. Hey, it was it was yeah. extra money coming in. Hell yeah! I was doing something I love. I was and getting paid for it. So, how old were the kids? They were in seventh grade. Seventh grade. Seventh grade. Yeah. And you found yourself with a passion for it again as soon as you were in there. Correct. I mean, especially because it was, it was like you're specifically teaching a specific thing of shooting, and it's funny because we were doing slowed down technical things that, that, that they're not that fun, you know? Right. Um, and they're just tedious and could become very boring, you know. But then as the workout goes, you're you're doing more shooting, you're moving, you're working on footwork and stuff like that. <clears throat> but that led into you know, starting the private workouts, you know. And private <laughs> workout because people just saw your results and then they started asking you for one-on-one? -on -one? Um, I don't know if they saw the result. I, I don't think it was specific result from the team workout. I think it was like we want a little more work individual. Then, you know, there's one specific client that I was working with who his dad was actually the coach 
I he you know his dad's a coach. He's not a starter, which is the the I've never seen that before, you know. <laughs> and he's saying no. My son needs to earn his minutes, you know. And I'm saying okay, whatever. Um, and whatever, we just start working on his shot, you know. And he he goes from from the bench to the starting lineup to almost being the leading scorer, right? He's oh, I'm getting texts. Oh, he went. You know, he made four threes today. I'm like, oh, okay, that's good. You know, no problem. Oh, the next game, yo, he went, you know, he was three for five from three. He finished with 15 points. Wow. Next game. You know, he's got a tournament out there. So the following tournament, I go to it. I'm watching. He's shooting well. They make it to the championship game. They're playing a team that's way better than them. This, they're stronger. They're faster. They're better. They're losing most of the game. But they come back and win, and this kid goes like seven for eight from three points, three point line, right? Wow. And then, you know, that was, you know, that's special for me. Oh, we're working. Look, he's improving. You could see the improvement. That always feels great, you know? But the biggest thing I would say, and this is kind of what's changed my directory of my thinking, was the text that I received from the father afterwards was, hey, Today was a very special day. What you've, how you've helped my son means so much. And what you've done for our family has been great. You know, it was a little more than that. But at, at, when I'm reading it, I'm like, oh, wow. This is a little bit more than basketball, you know. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of changed my trajectory. Okay, I'm going to teach basketball. But I think I'm really more of a mentor. And I'm teaching kids to have discipline teaching kids to have hard work, teaching kids things that they can carry into their adult life with them and really use them as adults, you know? That's the so, difference right there, man. Yeah. So after that, it was – and obviously there's there, that was the very beginning, you know? That was uh, – what? We're in – that was like 2009. Wow, it's been that long, huh? Yeah, 2009, maybe 2010. Or All right, so, it was so 2010. You, yeah, so 2010. 2010, you're teaching, side job, was a shooting coach. Yeah, this, you started get yeah, private this is lessons. Not, yeah, this is not even my – I'm still teaching. I taught for five years, right, and was doing the training, and I'm doing it outside in someone's backyard, you know. So it's hot. I'm taking three shirts with me. I'm, at that time, also, I'm working out with the kids. I'm jumping in with them. I'm demonstrating. We're even doing some push-ups and stuff at the end. Yeah, man. So I'm feeling great, you know? Uh, yeah, you're on point. I'm getting early to the workouts, trying to get better myself as a coach. Also, I, I really thought the demonstrating part was very important. Um, so, you know, I did that a lot. And then it just it – just, you know, the, when he started playing well, the word spread a little bit, and I just was getting more and more, and I picked up more and more clients. And eventually, the school I was teaching at had a, a, built a gym, and I was able to start an actual official academy in the gym. So, what was it me, called? In the beginning, it was it. I I jumped on with with a. Uh, uh, a group called I'm Possible Training, which the owner of that is Michael Lancaster. He's one of the leaders in the training industry. He's done really well. And I jumped on with them. I liked his philosophy. I liked his style. 
And then later I kind of branched away, you know, we had some differences, but he, you know, I just went, I wanted to go in my direction and my style. Um, and that's when I created Miami Hoop School. Uh, Miami Hoop School, when did you quit teaching and go 100% into Miami Hoop School? Um, I want to say it's, it was six years ago. Was that scary? Uh, yeah. Well, so obviously I come from a family where you go to school, you get a job and you work and you have stability and you do safe stuff. Yep. You stay safe. You can't quit because you, you can't quit your job and your safety net. You got kids now, you know, it doesn't work that way. You can't do that. So yes, at the time I was very nervous. I had my daughter and my wife's pregnant with twins. Right. There okay. We go. So, and then I had a guy, you know, working with me and he, he went on, on his own and, you know, which is fine, whatever. Uh, at the time it was, no, nah, fuck that guy, Andrew. Fuck him. No, nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> At the time, it was it was hard. Like whatever, it bothered me. But you know, uh, uh, I, those are the little times, dude. Those are the signs, I think, dude. That you go to yourself. Okay, now I'm gonna find out if I'm really gonna do this or not. Because right. well, you, and you have a guy, you, and he takes off on you, and and there's a lot of things happening. Yeah, my wife. Oh my God, what are we gonna do now? At the same time, I'm opening the warehouse. Right, the warehouse I have. I'm opening it up. Right, I'm gonna have an official spot. This guy leaves, my wife's pregnant, and I'm on the phone with one of my mentors, you know, that I talk to all the time. And he he's talking to me, and then he stops for a second. He says, Hey man, it sounds like you're you're doing a whole lot of whining. It sounds like you're you're doing a whole lot of whining. You need to stop whining, you need to go to work, and you need to work every day, you need to put your head down and not worry about what everything else is going on around you and just go to work. And I was like, he actually, you know, told me to stop being a bitch as well. Right, and right. and I was like, <laughs> you know, I was like, okay, uh, yes, sir, that's right, like you know. And from that day forward, I went in, and then, and then, you know, I just the rest is history. The rest I, is history. I stopped worrying about what other people were doing. I stopped worrying about, you know, what what other trainers were doing. I said, I'm going to do it this way. I got to go to work, and and it just it went crazy. Um, it, it was the best from that time on. It was the best my business had ever done, and it continues to grow every year. And you know, it's been a blessing for me to be able to do basketball, right, and support my family doing it. No, it's crazy. Only you at the one percent lifestyle of yeah. what of what you're what you're doing. Who was the first pro guy you got? So the first pro guy that. I officially trained me um, was uh, James Johnson, right? Officially. Now, I had been involved in some workouts with Mar Mario Chalmers. I had helped out, but I wasn't the one leading the workout. You know, I was just there learning and helping out, rebounding, stuff like that. But um, James Johnson was the first official one where, you know, I, I was there and what a great guy to be the first one because he comes in and and he goes to work and he's a worker and he was Andrew, is that the guy that got that huge contract from the Hawks? No, this is the guy that got the contract from the Heat. Oh, the guy from the Heat that he's no yeah. longer with the Heat anymore. Right. He's with Dallas Mavericks now. 
Nice. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, one of my favorite people, you know? Yeah, very, like, different. Not your typical, like, into yoga, like, into different stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, he's a black belt in... Uh, That's it. Yeah. And, yeah. He, he, you know, he can fight, but he, you know, he's just a, he's just a, a down-to-earth guy, uh, you know, and he, he really appreciated the work that we did, and, and he brought some other guys with him. Um, so it, it was it was pretty cool. When and, you that, look- and that was in the warehouse, right? So that just that just solidified a lot of things. I got this warehouse. Now I have, you know, some NBA guys training in there, and from there it was it was up, you know. Andrew, you don't have to tell me your rate, bro. But how did you come up with okay? Because I would always like when I did stuff, especially when people are known, I always wanted to be like, oh, I'll do it for free. I don't know why. The more you're known, I was like, oh, I do it for free, right? But in your world, how do you come up with a thing? Is there like a standard thing? Is everybody different? How did you think of that no, at the beginning? I, I think everyone's different. I mean, I think you have to build your reputation and build your resume just like anything else. I don't think a, a, a new lawyer starting out is charging this crazy amount, right? Let me now, ask you a question. Uh, the most, not you, the second you, right? You're number one in the country. <laughs> number two in the country. Charges how much usually? What's what's the street rate? I mean, I think there's so many different prices out there. Uh, Give me something. Give me something. Give me something that 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 I can say. I mean, I think some people charge fifty bucks an hour. I think some people charge seventy five. Some people charge two hundred. Some people charge one hundred. I think it just depends on you know your your resume the value you bring right and then your time right if if you're being if everyone if you're being asked to work out constantly then you're what your value is higher right if if you're doing a good job and and again like a good job doesn't mean you got a player and now he's scoring 25 points per game a good job is, hey, this player has improved from where they are to where they are now, not just in their basketball game because you're really building confidence. You're building. So, confidence. so you're telling me you're in the confidence game. I mean, you have to be. You can't. It, you're not just. You know. You're not just because. Trust me, when a kid comes and he's not a great ball handler and he starts to do ball handling, it's a struggle. But remember, and this is why I go back to remember what the parent. He texted me, you're, you're, you're giving the kid uh, valuable lessons. You're, you're teaching the kid work ethic. You're teaching the kid that life is not easy, yeah. right? And it doesn't always go your way. So either you can love what you're doing and push through and stick it out and be a part of, like for me, I didn't play in the NBA. I didn't even play in college. And in the beginning, because I didn't play in college, I wouldn't get clients, right? I didn't get them because they- Isn't that I, stupid because people would just look at your resume and be like, oh, no, he didn't play Division One. I. I don't want to- Well, yeah. That kind of thing. But, and that's okay. That's their preference, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, but I knew what I was doing because in the beginning, listen, in the beginning, I went around to camps around the country. I worked for free. I paid my own way. I paid my car rental. I paid my meals. And I worked for free. 
right? So I knew, I said, I need to go see these guys that are, that are best in the business at the time. And I, I went and I learned and I watched and I took notes and I got all of it together and I, I just wanted to continue to improve. And I still need to improve today, right? I'm, what do I'm you think you need to improve on? Well, I think the game is, is always ever-changing, so there's new things to learn. Um, I am also have the ability to be around NBA coaches that's, that work with these guys on a high level. Um, and it's not always X's and O's. It's, it's really being able to communicate in a certain way. Um, if you take a look at Coach Spo, I think Spo with the Miami Heat is obviously an X's, great X's and O's guy, but I think he's a great communicator. Uh, I think they respect him because of the way he delivers his coaching style. Um, so <clears throat> each player is different, right? Everyone says every player should be treated the same, and I say everyone should be treated equally different. Yeah. You, know, you got to customize it. You definitely yeah. got to customize it to the thing. You grab a guy. You got a pro guy who's playing. He comes to you. First, do you come up with, do you talk to him like the first, let's say, 10 minutes of, okay, look, this is what I'm noticing. This is what I want to do. Then you get into your drills, or how do you do that? Well, first of all, I try to watch film before it gets to me. If So if I have time, I try to watch as much film as I can just to, to – because I don't know every player's game that's coming, you know. Um, so I try to be – have knowledge of his game and his style. Um And then, and then I, I want him to bring what he wants to work on, right? So I have somebody, this is what I've seen. This is what I want to focus on. What do you want to focus on? And then third, I say, hey, who is your coach? Like, because most of the times they, most teams have a, an assistant assigned to players, you know? Okay. That they kind of specifically work with. So I say, hey, who is your coach? And is there any way I could connect with him as well? Because I want – obviously, the team has some things that they want each player to to be good at as well, you know, or to be what they want from the player. Nice, yeah. Everyone, everyone has their – everyone has their own goals, right? A team has its goals. A player has his individual goals. And then from what I've seen, oh, these could be some goals. Maybe mine aren't – you know, maybe they all line up. Maybe they don't. But I can mix it all in so that everyone's winning. Right. And I think communication is the best. Right. If you're able to communicate with the guys, communicate with the coach and then build a plan, depending on how long they're around. Right. Because some guys aren't around for a long time, but some guys are, you know, and you got to have a little bit of a plan as to what you're going to do through that offseason. Andrew, to communicate, to be a good communicator, you have to be a humble person, right? Uh, you have to be a humble person because you got to be willing to listen. Yeah, man. That's that's what I've noticed. That that listening part is what hurts so many people. Nobody wants to listen. Not only that, like the player is the one playing in the game. Yeah. I need to learn from him as well, right? I'm watching the game, but I want to know what he sees as well. What is he seeing? Where do you see your success? Where do you find where do you feel your spots on the court are? Where you find your most success? We could also look at the stats, we can look at the analytics. No, and something you know, else you brought up, which is which is so important, man. Listen, me and you could be the best instructors in the world, right? Yeah. But they play for a team that has coaches. Correct. If you don't work together, 
with the organization, then unless you're going to start your own league, it's impossible, man. And yeah. that's why it takes a lot of humbleness in your part, maturity, to be able to say, okay, let me get the information from the organization. Let's work together that we're not fighting each other. Yeah. And we're together for the player. And I think that's big. And I think uh, that's a lot of people's mistake, man, that they think they get so elevated that they don't want to work together with the organization, dude. No, absolutely. And Unison, there's some guys that have been in the NBA coaching for a long time. I think they have some knowledge that I can benefit from, you know. I think I've been in the training game for a while. I, you know, I understand what the players are looking for in the offseason. Um, and again, you got to, you know, I'm also a high school coach as well. So we haven't even I, got into that yet. We haven't yeah, even got into that. We're talking you as a shooting coach, not even a high school. Well, Hold on, the high school I, stuff I, yet. I wouldn't just put me as a shooting coach. I just I'm I, I would say a player developer. You know, uh, like all that. aspects Good. of the game. I like that. You know, now in this day and age, shooting is is probably the most important skill at the moment, uh, just because the value of the three point shot that every team wants. You know. Um, and it usually shows the team that, you know, shoots well from Wins. three has a lot of success. And that's success. not the only thing, right? There's teams that are, are the best at shooting threes, but they don't have the other things that are important. The other well. component. Right. When this summer for you was particularly, or this offseason was, was particularly special because you had a, probably your biggest talent go into a draft a dude that got drafted second overall, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, what is he like? Was he 7'3"? How tall is that? Dude? He's 7'1". Seven, 7'1". One. Seven, one yeah. Shooter that makes three-pointers. Yeah, he's a special He's a special talent. Um, and I What's his full name? Because I know, my, J- I know his James, Instagram name. James Wiseman. Name? James Wiseman, right. Okay. What difference did well, before, you... Before we get into it, right? So I'm going to be honest. I've never done pre-draft before in my life. I've worked with tons. I had worked with, you know, over probably about 20 to 30 NBA players, but I hadn't, I hadn't done actual pre-draft specific workouts. We're preparing this guy for this, right? I hadn't done that yet. So the first pre-draft guy I received is a projected top three pick. You know, um, that was going to be my question. My question is going to be, okay, so you've never done this before. You've done it. But right. now it's 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 almost like because pre-draft is like combine stuff. It's almost like a hack of talent versus team play because they yeah. want to see the talent. And then they'll teach them the teen stuff later. What would you now looking back at the craziness of that, of where you were, what did you like about it? What did you learn from it? Let's start with those two things. What did you like about it the most? And what did you learn from having a dude that high or that low in the draft? Talk to me. Well, first of all, when you see him come in the door, he's 7-1, and you just want to get a feel for him. Because remember, he didn't play. He played like four college games. Right. Right. So you don't have a ton of film. You have his high school stuff. But you, this he comes in, you know, um, and you just kind of want to get a feel for him. You want to get a feel for his skill set. What, where, you know, where is his strengths? Where are his weaknesses? Um, and then you build from there. 
And then, you know, you're kind of in a time constraint. You had a little more time with him because he left school early. But, you know, usually a pre-draft process is about six weeks. You know, six six to, oh, okay, I would say eight weeks, right? But now they're starting to move around. They're going to workouts. They're traveling around. You don't see them on a daily basis. Obviously, this process was totally different. We had the, the pandemic. It turned into an eight-and-a-half-month process, which for him, I thought it was super beneficial. I mean, we were, the guy worked five to six days a week. There were times where he's going two a days. He's also doing strength training. Um, so the improvement that we saw with him was drastic. I mean, remember, you could we started in, I think, late February, and we finished, when was the draft? In November? November. How, how many times a week was he coming to you? Well, for sure five. Well, in the beginning we started because we didn't we didn't know the process. We started, you know, twice a week. He was also trying to get his his ankle healed up. Uh, so we were going twice a week, and then, you know, then later we went three times, then four, and then we were going five days five days a week. And then sometimes he wanted to go on the weekend. So the guy wants to be in the gym. He wants to work. Um, and he, he, I just it was really. You know, because I have a staff that we all work together. Um, and I think that's why we we did such a great job um, because there was a there was a core group. And I'm not again, you talked about being humble. I asked my guys, hey, what do you guys think as well? I build the workout, not just through my knowledge. Everyone sees things in a different way. Right. So I want to see what they're thinking, what their thoughts are. And how we're going to build. And what's our focus this week, guys? What do you think the focus needs to be? This is what I think. What do you think? And we go to work. And I uh, I think because of the team that I had, uh, because of the film that we were able to watch with him, uh, on a, we almost watch film every single day. It's, you know, two to three minutes, sometimes a little longer. Film of his workout? No, film of of other NBA players. Got it. Sometimes of his workout, as we as we got more film of him, other NBA players that kind of had a skill set, correct, skillset? and that he that he liked, that he enjoyed, um, and then guys that we wanted him to emulate. Hey, look at how this guy defends. Look at his what he does. We want you to be able to do these things, right? Uh, but you know, again, first time doing pre-draft, feeling confident, but you know, I'm calling people because that are that are familiar with pre-draft and just you know getting getting their take on things and and trying to organize and do the best job i can you know um and i'll say it again i i think the atmosphere that we create with our team i think everyone that comes in feels that we're genuine and that we kind of have a family kind of setting going on and they feel comfortable there uh, is it what four dudes, three dudes you have with you? I would. I, we usually have. Yeah, we usually have two to four guys there. You know, sometimes it's two of us. Sometimes just depends on other workouts that we have going on. Some guys have to be there and here, but uh, sometimes we had four guys there. Sometimes we. Sometimes I bring more guys because we're going to do more live action. You know, so we want to see different things, different 
types of defense. So you got to have more guys there, you know? Let's talk about that MJ story. So <laughs> talk to me uh, about that whole process, bro. Showing up there. All right. Did so you get you, there before him? Did he get there? Talk to me about well, that. Yeah. So we were, we were going to work out James Wiseman in front of the Hornets. Right. And, 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 you know, before that we had the Warriors in town. Right. So you got Steve Kerr, owner of the Warriors and the GM, you know, Steve Kerr's Steve Kerr, you know, the guy's great player champion as a player so let's go steve kerr what does steve kerr tell you what does it talk to me steve kerr was cool and i and like you know i got a good shooter on my high school team so i'm like hey man i'm stealing your stuff all the night i'm watching your you guys all the sets you run for steph and clay i'm stealing them so you, I, you told know, him I, that yeah i told him because we use them we we use we look on there we use uh probably three or four things from them you know what i mean right. um so that was cool, but he was just, he was down to earth and cool. It was, it was funny, you know, like he was open talking. We shot around a little bit on the court. So that was, that was, that was great. You know, just, it was cool to see how, how down to earth he was um, because it was just, you know, I don't know. You, you don't, you don't know what to expect from some guys. And oh, yeah, I thought no, he was great. Know. You know, I thought he, you know, he did, he just was cool about everything. And then he's like, okay, cool. That's it. Have you spoke to him since or no? No, I haven't. I haven't spoke to him since. No, it would, it would be nice if I could, but you know, I didn't, we didn't exchange contact information. So going back to it, Andrew, you know, I'm a hustler. So I think a little different when it comes to this stuff. Yeah. Do you think it would have been cool to be like, look, man, or would that have been too much? You know, I don't know, but some people, I have friends that are like you that, yo, you got to do it. You just got to ask. If they say no, fine, you move on. But you got to ask and get it because you need to start building that. Or or here's another idea. We got on a little plane and we go to our next home game, right? Because there's a couple fans. They go, listen, man, I just came to, I came in to check on my boy. Da, yeah. da, da, da. Can we go do lunch? Can we go do dinner? You know, let's go. Yeah, absolutely. That's an idea. Absolutely. No, absolutely. So... So, yeah, we do the worst thing, and then two days later, you know who's coming. You know, right. we got. So it was funny because I'm talking to the agent, and he's like, yeah, MJ's coming. And my mind did not register MJ. So I'm like, this guy, who, he's acting like I know who MJ is. Like, And I'm thinking to later I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm, I'm an idiot. I don't know. There's only one MJ. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but during the workout, he's like, yeah, back in the day when we were working out, we, we took Tyson Chandler to the Wizards. MJ jumped in the workout. Then I'm like, oh, that MJ. So he said uh, it was about Tyson Chandler, what probably got drafted almost 15, maybe more right, years right, right, ago. Right. He does a workout for the Wizards when MJ's working for the Wizards or he's the, he was a GM. I don't remember. No, he was like partial owner. Yeah, doing there you go. Like yeah, right. yeah. So he asked to jump in the workout and he jumps in. So then I figure out it's MJ. And so I'm like, oh, shoot, MJ's coming to this workout. This is crazy. Because at that time, you're thinking, yo, I grew up watching MJ. This guy's the greatest. For the, me, the one, he's the greatest bro. player of all time, you know? Yeah, yeah. And whatever. You're just – you're like a little kid. Like, oh, shit, MJ's coming, you know? So he walks in the gym. Talk to me. So he walks in the gym. So he walks in up? and it's – dude, it's great. Like, it's down to earth. And I wore my uh, – so I work with Tim Hardaway Jr. Tim Hardaway Jr. is with Jordan Brand. Oh, so nice. Tim Hardaway Jr. sends me Jordan gear, you know, and he sent me some Jordans. 
And, you know, I only wear those on special occasions. I actually never wear them for a workout because I want them to last, you know. So I wear them to the workout. I got my MJ short. I got my Jordan brand shorts on. I got my Jordan brand shoot. I got my Jordans on. You know, I'm Jordan's out. Right. And it's funny because the one of the agents is like, no, nah, you need to wear your Jordan stuff. Nice. So the first thing he walks in and how you doing? I'm Andrew. He looks at me and he goes, those are some nice shoes you got on right there. <laughs> so he, he, I, I, I realized, okay, that's why he told me to wear it. Cause he notices, you know, hell yeah, he, he does. Notices, so. Dude, you know, that was my first, my first golf experience was with him. Oh, wow. in, yeah. Cause he, he's a big gambler and I'm, and I'm, uh, I'm still in the nightclub. But I live at the Aria. And right. the Aria, every year, till he got married, and then the Cuban shut that down. The Cuban wife says, nah. She gave him one more year and says, we're done with that. Yeah. He had a golf tournament at Shadow Creek for the, called the Michael Jordan Classic. Yeah. Every March for a weekend, like heaven, dude. This, in the middle of Las Vegas, Steve Wynn. Yeah. And his old house created this golf course and this whole thing. And he he sold it to MGM when MGM bought Bellagio and all this stuff from him. Right. And that golf course is called Shadow Creek. Andrew, it's like you're in the middle of North Carolina, in the middle of Las Vegas. It's gorgeous to die for, bro. And he has his custom golf cart, North Carolina colors, with a motor that goes faster than everybody else, system going crazy. So that dude is just insane. After he said nice kicks, what else did he say? Anything else to you or no? No, we sat. We you know we sat down for a second. And just I asked him, hey, this is what I told him. This is what we're going to be doing. Is if there's anything specific that you guys want to see, just let us know, and we'll implement it in. So we got the workout in. We worked out. This is my second workout, so I'm feeling comfortable. I'm already. I feel comfortable how to make the workout flow. Right. And the kid kills it. You know, he kills the workout. He, 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 you know, he does really well. James just comes in and kills it. Super confident and feeling good, you know. Um, for you to be confident in front of MJ is is a good thing, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. But it the is. most I got to talk to him was afterwards. We just talked, and it was very organic. It wasn't like it, it, it wasn't like oh, I'm a fan sitting right. here. This was a profession, you know, two professionals sitting down. We're talking. He's asking me how we structured the workouts. How did the schedule look? What were some things we asked? I asked, you know, he talked a little bit about shooting and things like that. Uh, and it was cool, man. We just talked. We talked a little bit about if he still plays and he doesn't play anymore. You know, he doesn't want to, you know, he, he specifically said, no, I'm not going to be playing. And then I just tear my Achilles, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, the one, you know, it's the one question I, I, I should have asked him and I never did, dude. The one question I would have asked him was, how was it? you with your boys because his kids played i think one they played division one but yeah. not a not a strong power school like no ucf and i think the other one was like illinois or something yeah in comparison to him you know how was it dealing with that as a dad yeah like no that would have been an interesting one to yeah for sure to, i mean to I would think there's more pressure on the kids than anything. Of course, of course. I mean, the, you got MJ as your father. You had so much expectations, you know. Yeah. And um, you either do the brawny or you're the anti-brawny. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Because that brawny situation, that's a sweet one, dude. That yeah. that week, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. That has to be the greatest 
the greatest weekend or week as a player dad has to be when LeBron James, you're playing for the Lakers. You come play the Heat in Miami. Yeah. You pretty much, it wasn't a buzzer beater, but he sealed the deal. Like I think it was like an overtime, something to beat the Heat. Then you get on a plane to go watch your son play in national television against your alma mater, wearing LeBron James uniform, everything Nike'd out on you. Yeah. And your son is a freshman, wins the MVP of the same tournament you won the MVP win as a player. Yeah. And it was a no bullshit MVP. The kid did really good that no, game. No, no, he's, he's a tough player. He's, 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 I mean, the, the, the thing I like about Bronny, he's, he just can, improves every year. So you know he's putting the work in. Andrew, does it ever cross your brain to like reach out and say, listen, this is who I am. Give me two weeks with Bronny. I'll show you what really talent looks like. Nah. Never? Nah. That, would that be like too crazy? Yeah, I think it's better when it just comes your way. When it comes your way, huh? Yeah. And listen, you know, you're going to get what – I don't know. I think, I think it just comes – no, I'm not saying not to be – I'm not saying not to be aggressive at all. You know, you got to get all out right. there and, and yeah, put yeah. yourself out there sometimes. But for me, in my experience, I just felt like you, most of the time someone just – Someone recommends me. You know, this is how oh, I got. This is oh, how, that's how you are. No, no, no. Yeah. Of course, no. One, listen, bro. Once you reach a certain level, yeah. I, where you're, where you are right now, you're not calling anybody. I get that. <laughs> but well, me, no, where am I at? The, the yeah, point. Yeah, I know. No, what point, I'm just here in Kendall. I'm over here in Kendall. No, that's like, that's that's geographically, buddy. I'm not talking about geographically. All right, all right, all you know right. what I'm saying? But me. Oh, would I be dangerous, bro? I'd have a hit list on every top player that I see on Instagram. That Mikey guy, that all oh, these guys going crazy. Yeah, I go, yeah. I go hit that guy up, hit that. I, I would just like, I'd go crazy, dude. Yeah, Andrew, you've done a couple podcasts already. I've seen you do a couple interviews, man. Yeah. Do you enjoy this? Yeah, it's it's actually pretty fun. Honestly, I I, I like it a lot. You know, as you do more of this stuff, what uh, in the other ones were they more? different more official what what's the vibe of a podcast that you've liked or interview that you like is there anything that makes it like more likable well i i would say the ones that are just organic and natural they're not like just a, a nice conversation talking giving some giving some value out providing value for people i think i think that's the best the best way I, I did a I did a podcast with some warriors it was like a warriors fan page I believe nice uh then they, they wanted to ask about James so we talked that was pretty cool I enjoyed that one we did it actually while watching a game so that I thought that's fun that's that, nice that, man. the way that they set it up was pretty cool you know the game was on we were watching we could actually watch a little bit of what James is doing and talk about that as well and then I just did an interview with uh it was a Spanish journalist who it, it works for um, a show in Spain that covers the NBA. Um, so for me, that's cool. I, I did it all in Spanish. So for me, I thought that was that's fun. Uh, I'm not. Muy, muy I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a gringo. I just learned Spanish. So. Um, ¿Y cómo aprendiste español en la escuela? No, en la calle. En la calle. Mira eh, para allá con acento yo aprendí, yo, yo aprendí un poco en la escuela, pero mm, mucho más por, en la calle. Hablando con la gente. Con la gente. 
con la gente. Bueno, yo, sabes que yo nací en Houston con los mexicanos. Yo empecé de, de aprender y después mudé acá. Bueno, en Miami es fácil para aprender porque toda la gente acá habla español. Sí, todo es una, una pila de gente hablando español todo el día, todo el yeah, día. Yeah. You, go, you can go to the restaurant and learn because you yeah. can order in Spanish if you want. So that's anywhere true. you go, the only way you learn is if you practice. That's what, that's it, dude. That's I it, think, man. I think that's the story of life, right? You that's it right get there. Better, you got to work at it. So, Andrew, you have a 11-year-old kid. No, I don't. No, no, I'm saying you, oh. an 11-year-old kid. No, 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 I don't know. I don't, I don't know. But let's say an 11-year-old kid loves basketball. Yeah. What's your advice to those, to that parent of the kid has it though? They're not pushing him. We're not talking about pushing parents, but the kid really likes it. What should they do? Should they hire a coach, work with a coach if they can once a week, twice a week? What, what advice do you have? Because I know what I would tell a baseball parent, but a basketball parent now, what would you say? Um, yeah, I mean, I would say, hey, yeah, you can, you can definitely work, work with a coach, an individual coach. But again, it can't be – you can't work with an individual coach every day uh, because you need to learn that work ethic to find on your own. You need to learn to create your own workout. So – And what I actually like in basketball is I actually prefer kids to be in a group workout because at least really? there's, there's some competition going on. You're, they're working out. Maybe you see how hard they're working. You need to go a little harder, you know? Um, so in terms of that, I would encourage more a group, a smaller, you know, small group setting, you know, we do, we do workouts of like six kids, right? And what age say, group? Six to eight. Oh, I don't know. We'll have middle school workouts and we'll have nice. high school workouts. And then we also have really, really young workouts as well for the young, like, you know, eight You years do it old. during the week or you do it in the weekend? All of the above. During the week, weekend, we, nice, we're, however we can work it in, you know. Um, but I just recommend the, the, the group setting because basketball is a team sport and there's always going to be players around. Don't get me wrong. I think you need to sprinkle in some individual. If you need to work on something specific and you need to break it down and slow it down. Yes. Individual workout is important for sure. But I think a group setting is, is a little bit better. Andrew, uh, what's your favorite type of music? Reggae. Favorite reggae artist is Bob Marley. Well, yeah, Bob Marley is my favorite, but I got some, uh, my favorite right now. Is pop con. What's your favorite pop con song? I don't even know who that is. Everything is nice. That's his everything. All right. Pop con, yeah. everything's nice. I like yeah, it. Yeah. Andrew, I think, bro, you are, man, you're so young and you're only beginning and you have so much good that you've done so far. And I think you're the perfect guy for the amount of success you've had and the amount of success you're going to have. And I really think in an NBA world that you're going to be a key, real key player, man, in the future of basketball. And not a lot of people are going to have that opportunity, but I think you, you're going to have it, man, for a lot of reasons. And I want to congratulate you on the success you had on, on, on being so humble and of uh, caring, man, because people don't know this about you unless they really know you, but you really care about your players and you care about, your reputation and how you help not only an athlete on one-on-one, -on -one, 
but your love for the sport and the school of Columbus and that team, and that's a whole different animal with coaching a basketball team and players and rotations, and that's a whole different strategy. But, man, that's I think that's big for you, dude. Before I let you go, man, any questions for me? Anything I can help you with? Well, I don't know how much you've uh, – I don't know if the world knows your story. I think you, you're, I think your story is a, a unique one, um, and uh, I think you should get it out there a little more. Um, and I think you are. You've done a lot of great things. I, what I would ask you is, you know, I've seen some of the things that you've done in front of large groups speaking. Um, you know, that's something that I, I – I mean, maybe at one point would enjoy and, and like, so it just – what I would ask you is, you know, how did you get into that and how, you know, how is, how are you continuing to make that grow? So I'll, I'll give you an example. I'll give you a perfect example. I feel that I was born to speak because what I talk about as a speaker isn't what cookie cutter speakers talk about. Doesn't mean I'm more successful than them because the cookie cutter guys that are put in a machine work very well because mm. um, Toyota can hire them and they're yeah. going to do some sales pitchy thing and stuff like that. It's not my vibe. I'm more passionate and to the point. So like, I'll give you a perfect example. I'm speaking, I think this week at FIU to the baseball yeah. team. In... Columbus, I had always wanted to speak to Columbus. That was the biggest thing for me as when I started. I go, man, if I could speak at Columbus, right? But Weber, who's my boy, didn't present to me that opportunity right away because he didn't know how good I was. And right. So the one who did give me an opportunity was our buddy Omar over at CCNN. And the beauty of the documentation of stuff is people got to see me speak without having to tell people, hey, I'm a speaker. So I just did for free. I went on a July the 5th, three years ago, and I spoke at CCNN to the freshmen. And I, was, and I was mic'd up, and I put that out there. That led to more people starting to reach out to me. Then that led to somebody reaching out to me that had money. And they wanted to pay me. I didn't know what my rate was. I have no idea. So that led to that. From there, it led to, okay, if I'm traveling, supposed to speak in uh, Texas in two and a half weeks, this is the fee. This is where I'm at. This is the thing. And it starts going like that. The interesting part is I don't have a website. I don't have an agent. I don't have any of that stuff yet. So what I would encourage anybody that likes to speak, to just speak. Every single one of your practices. Look, give you a perfect example. I started uh, at UM camp. I did UM camp three years ago. And I was on this craze of speaking, speaking, speaking. And I went to my buddy GM who runs it. And I said, listen, dude, I'll give you my life out here. But if I can ask you a question, can I just have one of the guys record me as I speak? To the kids, just record me as I speak. Because I have a lot of things that I want to share that I'm noticing. Like I'll give you a perfect example. Coach Gino is shaking every kid's hand when they like to welcome to the camp. Hey, welcome to the right. camp. Welcome to the camp. Gino's the, the manager of the baseball team. Out of 10 kids, six, he has to remind them, Andrew, to look them in the eye. They're like, hey, man, 
Hey, hey, hey. Because remember, a lot of these kids aren't baseball players. Just like right. you, a lot of these, they're not, they're just as part of their life thing. You know, it's like they're right. babysitting or their daycare or it's something to do. So they're not there for that. So they could pretty care less. They're like, yeah, yeah. So I spoke about that in a setting of that's what matters. These life things, not this baseball stuff or basketball stuff. So that became my personalized thing. From doing those videos that I would post, one of the coaches of Oregon State, the national champs, reached out to me. And that put me in a whole different place because yeah. coincidentally, I flew to Oregon State to speak, which is crazy to have a Cuban from Miami go to Corvallis, Oregon to speak to the national champs and then having the audience that was so interactive. So funny. I wish them happy birthday this past weekend. No idea who he was. Ask me questions. Really connect with me. Really bond. And then everybody be like, wow. And then the manager called me and said, dude, the guy who kept asking all these questions, it was the number one overall, uh, the number one overall prospect in the country right now. And the kid go number one overall two months after that, signed for $8.1 million. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But what was he worried about? Mindset. Right. His questions were, and I have it on videotape. His questions were, dealing with failure, how do you stay so positive? So that's how I started my speaking thing. And it's awesome because I'm underestimated by 85% of the people. They have no idea the hurricane that's coming at them when I speak. They have no idea. But that's life. And the my thing of dealing with it and dealing with it, you know, and then now I'm, as I work with, uh, working out with one of the best golfers in the country, <clears throat> eight-year-old kid who is super talented, hits the ball tremendously, tremendous work ethic, like the kid's into it. But he has certain things in his personality that are horrible for golfers. Right, certain thing, certain perfectionist things, certain stuff. But I can't train an eight-year-old very well because he's eight years old. Right. My job is with the dad. I have to get the dad to understand all these things about this one kid, because in golf, it's not like baseball, it's not like basketball. In golf, the dad is the caddy, unless right. you pay a professional caddy. Right, right, right. Your dad is there, so you literally have to be there in the line of fire, bro. And you have to be like this as an adult. You can't lower to an eight-year-old thing. And these kids, they're kids. They start crying. They throw fits. They throw the golf clubs. It's totally different. But I have to prepare this dude. Listen, this is how you behave. Set your expectations really low. Yeah. That way there's no, there's no like, oh, disappointment. Because they're going to do real good. And at some point, it's going to get fucked up. And he's going to look at you for energy and he's not going to have it. So, right. dude, stuff like that. And he's playing in the big Under Armour classic uh, national thing this weekend in uh, Bradenton. So that's a oh, big, uh, it's a big tournament. But you asked me a question about me, man. I love helping people and I love speaking. And I'm excited this week. I'm speaking at a, to the FIU baseball team, which is going to be fun. And it's it's all the same thing, man. The college guys are different because... It's a four-year thing. A lot of these guys look up to the, the pros, and you can't do that because the pro baseball player has so much money, and it just changes everything. Then yeah. these college guys, that it's that it's it's so hard, man. And to set perspective of enjoying the moment. Because you know, bro, what sucks about baseball is it's not like basketball. There's no re-entry to the game. Once you're done, you're done. Can't get back in. 
So mindset, bro. Yeah, for sure. No, I agree. And I need it as well. You know, I got to refresh my mind and, 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 you know, because like you said, uh, what do you do when you fail? You know, how do you keep the mindset when you fail? And I think failures build the mindset, honestly, uh, because failures are part of anything. Um, even at the highest level, no, even, and it's, how, even, it's how you learn, even when you're the best. No, you have to. It's, yeah. it's how you learn. Any of the best in every sport, it's that adjustment phase right. that gets you there because eventually people are going to figure you out. That's it. They're going to figure you out. Right. They're going to figure you out, you know? So it's, it's, dude, it's that adjustment, bro. Yeah. Let's push. What, what do we have? Is it Miami Hoop School on Instagram? Miami Hoop School, yeah. We, uh, it's good. Great, great content on there, I think, you know? Yeah, it is. Uh, so get on there. Uh, People send me DMs. I answer. I try to get them answered as quickly as possible. Um, if you got questions, anything, if I can provide some value, I, I try to help people out. YouTube coming soon, hopefully one day. Well, we got a YouTube. It's just it needs some revamping. How about let's, that? Let's revamp that YouTube, dude. Revamp the YouTube. You know, dude, you're the best. Hold on, let me end this thing here. Let me say by the right way. Hold on. All right. Hold on. <laughs>